Well, welcome to the Leader Growth Podcast. I'm David Skidmore. This podcast is designed to help leaders overcome challenges and experience transformation. And I am really excited for a couple of reasons. I'm going to tell you about one in just a second. But first, I got to tell you, Modern Leadership is coming up soon. If you want to know more about Modern Leadership, go to leadergrowth.us. That's leadergrowth.us. And put your email in today. Uh, we're going to be launching Modern Leadership. It is an incredible year-long leadership experience that you're going to be able to be a part of. We'll be sending out more info about it very soon, but go ahead and go to leadergrowth.us today. Now, I'm really excited because this week is launch week for my brand new book, For Love With Joy, The Best Way to Live, The Only Way to Die. You just heard a voice on the podcast. That is Logan Rosenbaum. Logan is one of my best friends. Hello. (laughs) What's up, man? Uh, Logan shows up on... Um, like on, on chapter one of, of this book. And he's been somebody who, uh, I've, I've been close friends with since college. Uh, and I love Logan, respect him a lot as a business leader. He's an entrepreneur, has an incredible business called Rosenbaum Academy of Music. If you're in the Oklahoma city region, you're probably familiar with it. And, uh, if you're wanting to learn music, they are the best at what they do. So, uh, anyway, we're going to talk about the, the book. We're at his house recording this one. And Logan, uh, like I said, I'm asking you to drive this convo. So let's go ahead. We'll jump in. So, yeah, I got a couple questions up front. But first off, it's an honor. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be over here in your house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at what, what I call Hoogaville. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. That, is, um, that is a theme here. Yeah. Usually, if, if it's cold, there's a fire right now. Yeah. Summer is, it can be drag. It's, but it, it's low lights, it's comfy, it's mm-hmm. late in the evening, it's fantastic. Okay, so first question. Yeah. What was the greatest joy you got when writing this book? Whoa. Okay, that's a really good question. Good. The greatest joy that I got in writing this book. I I think like, let me answer it in two ways. One is when you're in the process and you know this from a creative side, like when you're in the process of creating something for others, Mm -hmm. there's joy attached to it, even if it's difficult. And even if at different points you want to, to give up on it. Um, and, and the reason is because when you're doing something, not just for yourself, but for others, there's a lot of purpose and joy attached to it. Huh. So I think like for me, that was very significant. But the other thing that I would say is like, there were a few moments as I was writing, um, my editor on this, Adam Palmer, it, he, he and I like to, to talk about how like sometimes you are writing the book, but sometimes it feels like it's writing you. And so when I got into some of those moments as I was writing, like it's that I, I think it's like a thin space where kind of heaven and earth come together and it's just a fantastic experience. Describe one of those moments. Yeah. So if you were, if you were watching it, it, it didn't look joyful. Hmm. Um, I'm actually thinking about one. Um, and I, I don't remember actually which chapter I think, I think it may have been chapter seven, but, um, which is stopping to see the ducks. But I remember, 
like there were a few times I was writing at Starbucks and this is like in the fall of 2018 when I was processing a lot of this. And I remember like beginning to have tears stream down my face as I was like going back into the grief that this book is about, you know, I'm like going back into the moments of taking care of my mom and what that was like. And, you know, I hit a few points where like, I was crying so hard, but also um, the writing was flowing and I couldn't stop. And as soon as like that, Mm. that paragraph or that section was done, like I actually like got up, had my head down and walked to the bathroom and wept. And like it, it's not like, it's not like that's a like joyful moment, but I think like, when you look back on it, being deeply connected to your own heart, the reality of life, even your, your pain, instead of running away from it and being able to create out of it and express something. Um, like, I think that that's probably how I would describe some of the process. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay. So earlier you said (laughs) like writing something for others, Mm -hmm. which obviously, you know, you want to sell a book. So it's for people. People need to like it. Yeah. And just for the record, the book hasn't come out yet, but it's it it's in front of me. But it's Dave's copy, so I haven't read the book. Yeah. So like, it, just it, so uh, we're we're on the same page here. Yeah. Like you can get it on Kindle. You get like if you buy it on Amazon, it'll get delivered to you within like twenty four forty eight hours, what, whatever that is. But yeah, the premium package. You did buy the premium package. So I'm very excited about. Which you can get it for lovewithjoy.com. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so my question is next. You mentioned like writing for others. In what way was this book for you? Yeah. Which is different than Unstuck. Yeah. And how is it different? And how was this for you different than that? Okay, so chronologically, this book happens before Unstuck. Right. In fact, I started writing this in 2018. I didn't start writing Unstuck until spring of 2020. Mm. So I feel like when I look back at it, when I first started this book, I was just writing my own grief. It was almost like I was journaling. And you and I sometimes talk about uh, the Enneagram. So I think as an Enneagram three, I wasn't planning on a writing a book about this. I think at some point I realized I had written I had written enough words and maybe this could actually become something and it could be useful. (laughs) And so it's probably like out of dysfunction (laughs) that it became a book (laughs) because I don't feel like, like the, (laughs) it's your best sell point yet. Yeah. I mean like, like the original purpose was like, I need to get some of this out. Like this is Mm -hmm. what I'm feeling. And and I haven't touched some of these things and it's two years later and I just need Mm -hmm. to like, I need to, to write these things out. Yeah. But <laughs> which is one of the things I'm excited about. Yeah. Because the fear you felt before releasing it. Yeah. And the look on your face when you told me about the vulnerability. Yeah. <laughs> makes me excited to read about the real Dave. Logan is also an Enneagram three, so Oh yeah. Which if you're not familiar, that's like all about like achievers and like so wh- get, identity gets built around success and yeah. So you, you can perform. Yeah. And you're good at it. 
Thank but you. I don't. I, I don't know if that's a good think, compliment. I don't. <laughs> it can be. No, that is something that can be a great skill. It can be very useful, and I, I say that because I have to defend myself as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this, I feel like you probably weren't performing as much, which is why it was scary. Which, which is what makes me excited about reading it. If, as far as a book goes, it's the complete opposite of Unstuck. Unstuck yeah. is very prescriptive. Yeah. This isn't at all. Yeah. And well, Unstuck is great. Thanks. But, yeah. Okay. So, I think you answered that question. Like, what, it, like, what did it do for you? Why was it for you, though? Yeah. So, I think this, this book wasn't just for an audience. What did it mean to you? My editor, when I first told him about it, <laughs> such a good friend. He told me this like 2018. He's like, yeah, maybe this becomes a book and maybe it's just for you. And I was like, no, like it's going to be a book. And, mm. but I think that that was kind of one of those times <laughs> when I, looking back, I was trying to translate something within my, myself or others. And mm -hmm. when I look back, yeah. um, the the entire process of like having to go back into it and experience those emotions again the and, and i'll say this like writing it was was challenging the rewrite was much more challenging because the emotions were were really there when i wrote it like in 2018 when i came back in 20 uh like i, I was trying to, to write it in 2021 and i couldn't get any traction on it and part of it was because hmm. life was life was pretty good and huh. I was like, I don't want to go back into that now. Like I'm in a different place. And then this year I really went back into it and you know, you just, the human soul is enormous and there's a lot within ourselves to explore. Mm -hmm. So I think just like, I don't know if it's a specific point in, in the book, but the entire process of having to, to go back in and just, write what's honest, what's true, what's real. Like, um, one of the things that's important about it is when we're talking about a subject like, like grief, you know, grief doesn't, there's not necessarily just one right way to, to grieve, mm -hmm. but there are, there are wrong ways. And so like, I think it's important to make sure that you give a voice to your own authentic journey. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And, and I want to ask some questions about grief yeah. in, in a little bit. Okay. Because, and I haven't read the book, obviously, but, um, okay. So what was like, what was the scariest part about writing it? It was the flip side of the coin of the most energizing part about writing it. And that was sharing it. Okay. Because as long as it, as long as nobody's ever seen it, it's still just for you. Hmm. So it can be like, oh, I'm doing this for for other people. But at the end of the day, like if you don't share it, mm -hmm. the scariest part about writing it is, you know, the subject of vulnerability. Brene Brown did a lot of, has done a lot of work around it, and it's become something that I'm thankful we're leaning into more culturally. I like the idea of vulnerability. I like guiding people even like in our leader growth things to a higher level of vulnerability to, to help them get a breakthrough. I don't like being vulnerable. Hmm. That feels foreign to, to me. So the idea of actually, 
getting to a place where it's like, I'm about to share, like, I'm going to share my soul with the world. Mm-hmm. I had a couple people come up to me after Unstuck, and they were like, hey, nice to meet you. I read your, your book last year, and I remember kind of feeling, I was surprised, but I f- kind of felt like, one, honored, but also alarmed. Because <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, well, like, you know too much about me then. Like, I felt oh, like, yeah, like they had all this like all this understanding of who I was and I didn't know them at all. And I yeah. think like for love with huh. joy is, is like that, but times a thousand cause unstuck was like, these are my ideas around self-improvement and business. This is like, like some of the most intimate personal experiences in my life. So, mm. you know, I think that's terrifying in its own way to, to say, I want to share that. But the other side is um, the book in, in many ways is to just say, you're not alone in it. Um, and so being able to, to share that is also like very energizing to know that maybe it does help one person. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite chapter to write? Can I see that real quick? Yeah. Uh, cause yeah, I'm gonna kind of open it up and, and look through. I don't have the, the chapters memorized. I, I told you a few minutes ago, I really like stopping to see the ducks, which is probably the weirdest chapter title I've ever, ever, um, written. Um, searching for a dwelling can, place forever. Can you, like, can you give me like a, a few sentences on stopping to see the ducks just to give me some context? <laughs> yeah. What's um, that mean? Yeah. So, um, my mom was a walker. Oh, okay. And so uh, what we haven't gotten into at this point is like, basically this story is about my mom getting diagnosed with cancer when I was 27, 28, it was in 2015. And then like the next, um, the next 17 months that, cause it, it was like stage four cancer at the beginning. And then the next 17 months when she passed away. So this is that journey. So she was a walker. Like every day she'd go walk two to three miles a day, sometimes four or five miles mm-hmm. a day. And so they had this, this bridge um, by, by their house. And I moved up there. I was just planning on visiting for, for a little while, but I went up there in February of, um, yeah, February of 2017. Hmm. And within like 18 days of having moved up there, she went from walking three miles a day to not walking at all. Like she was wheel, wheelchair bound the rest of, of, of her life. And what was that like seeing that very quick progression? Um, it was, it was pretty shocking because like she had done pretty well for like her first 13 months and had been so resilient. And then it was kind of like, um, I, I had a feeling, and I talk about this like in chapter three, and I'm not going to go into it right right now, just because it's it's actually a little bit harder to, to talk about. But I had a dream that I felt like the Lord gave me, where I saw the events play out. And so, mm-hmm. I when I moved up there, I didn't go up really believing she was going to get better. I didn't know how long I'd be there, but I wasn't shocked that she went downhill. I just didn't know she was going to go downhill that quickly. Hmm. So 
you know, you talk about 18 days every day, the walks are getting a little bit shorter Hmm. and that's her favorite thing to do is to go on these walks. Hmm. So there's this bridge that we would walk to and, you know, even in the winter it'd be icy and, you know, the, the water's barely flowing, but like there were these ducks and they would, they would like float over there together and she would like walk up to, to the bridge and just be like, there they are. And I, I remember (laughs) feeling like, like, I mean, she didn't like talk to them, but I remember feeling it was like this, like she had such a appreciation for the things and even nature. And, and it was almost like a friendship, like there they are, you know, it was just part of, part of her, her walk. And so mm-hmm. that, that chapter like goes into just kind of the experience of going on walks, but also like the experience of watching like her health fail and my own realizations in it and yeah. the journey that the Lord took me through on that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's heavy, but it's good. Yeah. I mean, it's the book it is the the color is yellow and it's called Fort for Love with Joy. I originally was on the cover I was wanting to do it with like confetti and Adam was like yeah, this book's too heavy for for that. You can't do that. So yeah, I hope he's that he's like you're compensating. You're performing. <laughs> No, and something interesting is like even just watching your body language talking about something heavy. Yeah. Because I was trying to ask you a question and I knew it might get a little emotional. Yeah. But you almost sidestepped it, but you kind of did. But you actually still answered it. Yeah. But your body language changed. and um, It's really hard to go there right now. Well, and I don't blame you, man. You lost your mom. Yeah. And so like... I think that brings me to like my next question, which is like I've said before, I think the stakes are high. Yeah. I think they're high for all of us mm-hmm. and they've seemed higher at different points, but like, why do you want to write the book? Why do you want to do it? And what were the, and there's a couple questions in there you can answer or not. Yeah. But like, what were the stakes if you didn't? Hmm. And you might not have considered that, but it's okay. What, and then what were the stakes if you did? Why was it important? Yeah. So one, like my life was deeply impacted, not just by losing her, but also watching her response to her diagnosis. Like when she got diagnosed, she was like, I mean, I was, I wasn't in a good headspace for a long time with it. I mean, mm-hmm. it really shook my, my faith. And I go into that as, as, as well. And it's like, I had a lot of like, why God questions. And she was like, why not me? Like she looked me in the eyes and she was like, why not me? Yeah. And I remember she led like underlined in her Bible. She's like to live as Christ and to die as gain. And that's the idea for love with joy. Mm. So watching her finish well, Hmm. like it gave me a different perspective on, on what life is. Here's the other thing. Um, I was talking to Phil Smith one one day and this, (laughs) maybe the, the reason I wrote this book came from this conversation at Starbucks. I don't know. Um, but he said, 
in America, we don't believe we're going to die. <laughs> like, it's just not part of our belief yeah. in life. Like, we don't believe that. It's not untrue. And I could see him saying that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's so when, when people do uh, die in, in America, huh? like, when, when we lose somebody, usually, like, like what? Our, yeah. How'd this happen? Yeah. It's like, that doesn't, that's yeah. not part, part of the script. Uh. And everybody, like, there's a finality to it. So it changed me in such a profound way that I started thinking about life very differently after that. Hmm. Like, I think before it was just kind of around ideas of success. I think that that drove me deeper into relationships. That drove me deeper into wanting to be with people. The way that people responded to me. To, so, and then my, my mom would, would tell me, she's like, you know, like in the body of Christ, there are a lot of different parts. You and your dad are mouths. <laughs> You need that or what? Mouths. Mouths? <laughs> well, yeah, like we just talk all the time. And I think like huh. I had to process it. But my processing in a lot of ways is to, to help other people. Don Miller said the best piece of writing advice I've ever heard. And he said, love your reader. And so hmm. I think just knowing like, oh, there's somebody out there. My story, I read um, about six months after my mom died, I read Through the Eyes of a Lion by uh, Levi Lesko. And mm -hmm. he had lost his daughter. And she was, I don't know, she was like six or seven. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's this pastor in Montana, and he's talking about his experience of, like, of, of losing her and, like, the challenges that have been with that in, in life and also like how God showed up, but just cause God shows up doesn't mean that there aren't challenges. Right. You and I both know that, but anyway, kind of like big picture. I just remember I was like, man, that's not my grief. And that I feel like losing your child would be way harder than what I went through. And I'm not here to like put everything on a scale, but I was just like, man, that, that feels way more difficult, but reading it somehow comforted me cause I didn't feel alone. And I think that that was part of it too, is like, I want to share this because yeah. our grief doesn't, doesn't have to be the same. That's a great answer. It is. Mm. Cause like pain is pain. Yeah. Hurt is hurt. So why not? Yeah. Why not share it? It's good. I like that a lot. Yeah. So the stakes were high, hmm. and you wanted to share it, but you didn't. Yeah. But you came back to it. Okay, so, like, I felt like I was kind of done and with it. was that out of fear, or <laughs> was it because you didn't think it was good enough? Or, like, why, why'd you step away and do something different yeah. and stuck and then come back to it? Okay, funny story. So, <laughs> okay. uh, <laughs> Caleb, <laughs> Caleb the mystic, yeah. uh, Caleb... Told you exactly McCoy, what he thought. A he brilliant writer. <laughs> Let's say exactly what yeah. he thinks. So uh, th this is public. That that uh, so he he was the ghostwriter for uh, for his aunt's book, and so he was showing me his writing, and I was showing oh, him no. mine. And like I I hit like oh, we no. we had exchanged laptops, and <laughs> we were flying out to to Kent's wedding, <laughs> like. I guess it's February of 2019. <laughs> and and uh, like five minutes in, Caleb hits me from across the aisle. Like we're sitting next to, to each other, but across the aisle on, on this flight. And <laughs> um, he's like, oh, 
you made me cry. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe, maybe like I, maybe I'm, I'm on to something. Now, Caleb's like a legit brilliant writer. So I was mm-hmm. reading his stuff. I was like, man, I wish I wrote like, like this guy. Like he just weaves sentences <laughs> together in this brilliant way. But he's like, but the problem with this is it's just sad. <laughs> exactly. And he's he like, told you exactly yeah, what he thought. Exactly. He's like, uh-huh. it's just sad, man. Like this is, mm-hmm. it, it's just sad. <laughs> and he said it like three, uh, four times. And yeah, I realized like. Telling somebody what they think is kind of a superpower. It is. We, most of us don't do that, which is you know, some quality about him. But what did, that, what did that do to you when he said that? And why did that give you hesitation? Well, at the beginning, I was like, yeah, it's sad. Like, that's what it's supposed to be. Mm. It's just sad. Like, we're going we're gonna to keep it there. And he's okay. like, you got you to let people come up for air because it's overwhelming. Like, just because oh. you lived it doesn't mean, like, we can all be there. And, hmm. and so, like, at, at the time, I was like, okay, whatever. I'm going to do it as is. However, you know, sometimes you just know something isn't right. Okay. It's like, it's not the right time. It's not, not the right place. You have a check-in, like you, you have a check-in in your spirit about something. You're like, no, I'm not doing it now. That was part of it. So you knew it wasn't right. So something was off. Yeah. Was it timing? It might've been timing. Was it content? I think it was content. I think it was timing. I think it was, I wasn't ready. Yeah, I get that. Unstuck gave me permission to go forward. Huh. With this or just with writing, period? I think with, with writing, period. But especially mm. with this, because this was already, so much of it was there, but there was a lot more that still had to be done. Okay. I, I think, like, in my mind, I viewed people who were authors as, like, they were beyond reach. Mm. <laughs> like that's something okay. you can't get to. And yeah. then after I did it, I was like, Oh, that's not what I thought. Yeah. So unstuck was almost like break the ice. It was a key. It unlocked yeah. that door and I got into the room and I was like, Oh, I kind of like it in here. Yeah. I didn't actually realize you'd written the book before unstuck. Yeah. I didn't realize you'd written for love with joy. That's actually very interesting. And chronologically, I mean like huh. for love with joy, would be first, but unstuck came out first. Right. So, yeah, but it, it, in, in my own storyline, it, it would be for love with joy unstuck. Um, and then what's going to come next? Well, we won't get into that now. So yeah. Yeah. We don't have time. Yeah. This is just a podcast. <laughs> you know, we can't talk about everything. It's going to be called the kingdom is here. Love it. We're going to try and bring it out in 2023. Oh, I already like it. Thank you. Yeah, because it is. I'm excited about it. Um, yeah. Okay. So, back to your mom. Yeah. So, she said, your dad and you are the mouth. Yeah. What do you think she'd say that she is? Maybe the feet. <laughs> she loves to walk. Um, okay. So, the feet, what does that mean? Stability. Keep going. You know, like, we... Uh, so I'm reading this book right now by a mm-hmm. brilliant Swedish philosopher. I think he's Swedish, um, maybe Nor- Norwegian. But anyway, he's th- the book is called Walking. Yeah. And one of the, his lines was, he said, your feet are your best friend. And so I'm reading this book like a week ago. And it was interesting to, to read a book about walking right before For, For Love With Joy was coming out. Because mm. I was like, man, like I feel like my mom would love this, this book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as as I'm reading it, 
I'm thinking about like, I don't notice my feet every day. They just kind of are in such connection with the mind. They, they take me everywhere and I don't even give them thought, but they're the stability. Like you stand and you don't even notice that like your feet are doing work. They're keeping you consistent. They're keeping you steadfast. Yeah. They, you don't, you don't notice it until something happens to your feet. Yeah. And I think like, that's like so much of what she did was like, she didn't want attention. Hmm. She just wanted to be steadfast. You know, we did a strengths finder thing one one time and like, (laughs) I think her like top five, we were complete. I mean, she was the complete opposite person of, of me, but like her top five were like consistency, discipline, routine. Like, I mean, I was like, this is, and, and yeah, sure enough, like she did the same thing every day. And for me, like that would get so boring, but for her, like it was part of a beautiful life. Hmm. And she enjoyed it. She enjoyed it. And it was valuable. She knew how to enjoy everything. It, things didn't have to be big. She could like just notice. And I think because like, she was present so much of the time and not, you know, you and I live in, in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, our brains live in the future anyway. Like she was right. just kind of living in the moment and had a unique curiosity about life. Mm. And I think because of that, like she could appreciate on a walk what yeah. was happening around her right then. Like right. she noticed it, man. And a couple things with that. Um, Presence has always been hard for me. Yeah. Like you said. Same. Living in the future, thinking about the past. Yeah. What's next? Um, Jennifer, my wife, is good at it. Um, She's so good at so, like just being present with people. It's wild. So your mom was like Mary. Yeah. When Jesus, when Martha was like, Mary, come clean. And Jesus was like, no. Mary's chose the best thing. Hmm. Yeah. Where presence is the best thing. Um, other things are necessary, but that that's an interesting kind of almost oxymoron where your mom was about like discipline and like maybe loyalty, you know, and behind the scenes, but yet she chose the best thing, which was presence. Hmm. Yeah. Which I feel like maybe took effort because mm-hmm. if you're going to be disciplined to do the same thing every day, you might miss out on presence, but she didn't. Which yeah, I think is actually probably pretty profound if you really play that out. It's humility and curiosity. Like she... So curiosity's in there, which... Yeah, which is interesting to me. Because... I don't know, those don't always go hand in hand. It's like she's not a passive person. Not at all. No. The opposite. But, but she could have been. Based on, like, if you just listed out those attributes or those mm-hmm. strength finders, I might yeah. have been like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's, you know, she's doing her thing. But no. Huh. Yeah. Like, if she sat down with you, she would ask you so many questions you wouldn't be able to. And she was genuinely <laughs> curious the whole time. Right. She would, like, huh. come back five days later if she talked to, to you. And she would say things to, to me like... You know, Logan is just such a smart individual. I think, and she would like be talking about things about people that I knew 
but she knew things about them that I didn't because she was genuinely curious. And I realized mm. like through her life, cause she made it about others. She was always like giving love away. And in that process, you know, and, and uh, what, what I'll say as well is like you, you can sometimes, my, my mom would be laughing. Like if I said that, she'd be like, no, like <laughs> I'm so imperfect, you know? And I think like part of it is she was, um, like she was incredibly curious and kind and loving. And she also towed a hard line. I mean, she was like, she had extremely high standards in life, extremely hmm. high expectations in life. And, hmm. um, and, and was hardest on, on herself. And so she wasn't a flowery person. Hmm. She wasn't like, it, it wasn't all just like sugar. Like she was, she was straightforward. She, she told you like it was. But yeah. she loves you enough to, to do so. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so... You would have loved her. Yeah, yeah. I would have. No doubt. Yeah. Okay, so if she was here today, hmm. what would she say about what God's doing in culture and church? Oh, that's a good question. What would her perspective be? One of the most interesting things that I saw happen over the final 17 months of her life was I just saw her open herself more and more to who the Lord is. And I think like a lot of the prior conceptions and like maybe stiffness around religion, some of those things began to fade away. And, Hmm. you know, like, there was this time um, I was I was like in my first ten days of being there, and she asked me to join her in in the living room for a few minutes, and she was still well at this time, and she's like, "Let's pray," which wasn't normal. Our family would pray when I was little, but like we didn't really pray together as I got older. Okay, and so I was like, "Okay," and then she like got down on her knees and then like lowered her face down to the floor. But she was like, she like looked up and was like, you do, <laughs> you do this too. <laughs> Cause I was like sitting in a chair. She looks at you like, yeah. I mean, she's like, Get a, here's what we're doing. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, she, she told me, she's like, come on. <laughs> and so she prayed oh, and it was this, because I didn't, I, I didn't feel close to the Lord at the time. I was speaking to different stuff, I, you know, but I didn't feel this deep connection to him. And she talked to him, and I remember I was blown away because, like, most people that I was around at that time, when they prayed, it felt like they, like they were kind of talking at God or, like, giving him the announcements as, about what was going on as if he didn't know. And yeah. like, she was talking to him as if he was about two inches away from her. Like huh. th- it was and like, was that normal for her? No. Okay. So I didn't feel it like it was. So it was like the veil wasn't there. And I feel like the Lord took her on this journey of that time that I didn't know about in between like January of 2016 and 2017, huh. like when at that diagnosis of 2016 and then in 2017, I feel like in that time yeah. she went on this path of intimacy with him. And I think, like, she would love what's happening in the church today 
because I believe that like the church is becoming more focused on the Lord and connecting with him. It's more about like his presence. It's more about knowing him. I don't think people have a whole lot of tolerance or patience for it not being real. It's either real to to them or they're out. Yep. So I think she would actually go, I like where things are going now. Huh? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like she is a part of it. Hmm. Whatever that looks like, you know? Yeah. Um, Time is different. Body's different. But, um, yeah, so what's, what would be the first thing you'll say to her when you see her? Man, I don't know. And that's kind of intimate. You don't have to answer that if you want to. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I've thought about things like that, but. Yeah, I, I don't think I have a good answer. There, there have been days when I was like, man, what, what would I say like if I could see her? Yeah. And I actually talk about this a little bit in the book, but like, I think people who have lost that person, they might rehearse that in their, in their mind. Like, what would I do in this situation? Mm-hmm. How would I respond if I could? Like, if we could go back in time. And do you think that's healthy? To a, to a point. I think like if you don't ever acknowledge it, I'm also like, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. So I don't know. I'm not going to tell somebody what's too much to think about on that. But I do know that like, if she was here, like I would just want to say, I love you. You know, cause like I could tell her everything in the world, but at the end of the day, like it was never about like all the things. It was just like, I loved who she is. Hmm. And I think that that is one of the biggest lessons that, that I learned is like, all the information in the world is great, but like knowing people is just the sweetest part of it. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. And then this is maybe getting like even a little more intimate, yeah. but if your book does become a New York times bestseller, <laughs> will you still be my friend? We, <laughs> if it does, like we're going to just have to go on a really awesome trip with all that money. <laughs> <laughs> you do kind of owe me a trip because you were going to take us to that concert and then we couldn't do it because it's the first day of school and then they canceled so oh, they did cancel they okay. did I was really well, bummed let's just still go on the concert then. which by the way that that concert Need to Breathe they, they show up a lot in this book which before like before February 2021 I wasn't like a really big fan I like their, their song Multiplied which shows up but you know mm. I wasn't really a fan of Need, Need to Breathe mm. and then February 2021 and then seeing them live man that's a um, great show if you ever what get a was chance your, what was your favorite song from that show uh, they're they did like a 30 second minute long thing where they did a testify but they slowed it down hmm. and you know Bear Reinhardt is a lion <laughs> his name's Bear, but yeah, seriously. <laughs> it, it, it was at the it was at the at the Oklahoma City Zoo, right? So, yeah. <laughs> just the fact that like I've never seen somebody. I've seen Mayor. I've seen Coldplay multiple times. Like I've seen a mm-hmm. lot of great people who go to a level ten, yeah, and then but drop he, to. Like, he leaves it all on the stage, huh? That guy stays at a ten the entire time. Wow! And if he's around, like I'll go watch them play anytime. So, like, let's talk about grief in the workplace. So yeah. what would you say to somebody who 
I had an unexpected loss. Yeah. I mean, first off, like, I think showing up for people is important. Sometimes when people go through a big loss, like, in your organization, if you're a leader, like, people, sometimes we feel really uncomfortable, and we don't know what to say, so we don't say anything. Um, so I think, like, at least giving them a chance by acknowledging it with them. And I probably do that in a one-on-one setting. Um, that doesn't have to be like calling them into your office. That could feel a little threatening, but maybe saying, Hey, could we take like a five minute walk? Um, it's really hot outside currently. So maybe like finding an environment where you can sit next to each mm-hmm. other and sit instead of sitting across the table and like, it feels really directive. Yeah. But just, checking in and giving them space and time. And like, that doesn't have to be a quick conversation. It could be, but they may not know the answers right off to how, how they're feeling. Also where they're at today is likely very different than where they're at tomorrow. I think like one of the most unfortunate things that we do in the, in the American world specifically is somebody goes through like a significant loss yeah. and people generally actually do show up for about two weeks. We text, we send notes like, and I, I've experienced that. I don't think everybody's experienced that. And so in some cases people have had to suffer in silence, but I think, I think acknowledging it first off, but then as well, like if you've gone through something and you've experienced significant loss, there's trauma associated with it and it's going to take a while. And so number one, like, um, we talk about this like in, in the book, but it's, it's okay to not be okay. Hmm. Um, I think that the other side is if you're going through something, my friend Don Milliken said this to, to me one day, cause I said, it's okay to not be okay at some point and he said yeah and it's okay to not be okay that you're not okay huh. which essentially means like at some point okay the healing needs to begin we don't have to get there overnight but it's okay for us to start to move forward at some point and uh, you know um i think as as a leader being a soft place for your people to land can be really helpful like when they're going through something significant yeah one and, of the and talking about that what does it look like yeah. to be a safe presence for someone going through deep grief? So I had a conversation, I actually got a voice memo from a very close friend who I talked to about this book, like back in, I don't know, it may be like a year ago now. And I was trying to get perspective and one question that, that I asked was, have you ever, you know, experienced like a, a significant loss? And what I didn't realize at the time um, was that yes, but they weren't ready to talk about it. Hmm. So just, they kind of answered it vaguely. And then today yeah. I got a voice memo saying like, hey, you asked me this. And I just wanted to say thank you for asking me that all that time ago. Huh. Yes, I did. I went through this and this is what I heard. And it blew me away. This, this language said, I had a friend who would take me out to go get coffee 
And sometimes I think I talked for hours with them, but what they gave me the opportunity to do was walk around inside of my grief until one day I could finally walk out of it. Wow. I thought that that was one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard about somebody who had the patience Mm. for somebody else to say, it's okay. I know it's going to take time. Some days, like you may feel sad. Mm. Some days you may rage. Some days you may feel peaceful and positive. I think like in the workplace, there's certain things that, you know, we still got to like honor our culture and, and, and the work we, we do. And so, but at the same time, like you're, you're going to go through a spectrum of, of emotions. And so let's make sure that like we take care of people first and that we're looking to our, our people and like we're looking to, to their needs. And if you don't have somebody on your team right now who's facing that, just know like it's coming at some point. And so if you build relationships now, it allows you at some point to be able to be that person for them. Um, because when it does happen, if you've never really connected with them, it's going to feel really weird when you show up then for the first time. They might say thank you and it might go great in, in the future, but it's going to be a bridge that you're going to have to like, like you're, you're going to have to like build, build that bridge. Um, I just want to say thank you for sitting down. Like it's always nice to, to come over here to your house, hang out here. Um, but thank Agreed. you for being a good friend to me. Thank you for showing up in my life. Uh, thanks for walking with me uh, through so many highs and lows. And even like I said in the book, like you're the person who said to me uh, this past year, I think it's time for you to grieve some, some things. And so I'm thankful that you're a person who will speak truth to me. Um, I love you, your, your family, uh, who you are and who you are becoming. And so uh, thanks for uh, taking time today uh, to not just pour into my life, but also into uh, all of the people who listen as part of the Leader Growth Podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an honor, man. Thanks for asking. All right. Well, that wraps up today's conversation on the Leader Growth Podcast. Once again, that was my friend Logan Rosenbaum, who uh, took time to sit down and talk through the book for Love with Joy with me. Uh, if you are looking to pick up a copy of that, you can do that at Amazon. You can also find uh, more about the book at forlovewithjoy.com. Uh, I'm looking forward to being back here next week. We have Amy Downs on the podcast her book, Hope is a Verb. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but we have a fantastic conversation. You can be looking forward to that this next Tuesday. Until then, love hard, live full, and live strong. Our declaration. We are locked in. All in and full out. We are the roar. You think you can run with us? Let's go! I get lying in my blood. You were just a cop.